Welcome to the Start Me Up podcast, part of the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. I'm Kimberly, fully vaccinated Johnson in D.C. My guest today is author Mia Bloom. We're going to be discussing her latest book, Pastels and Pedophiles, Inside the Mind of QAnon. What a fascinating woman. She is very interesting. I know we're going to talk about a number of things, but we're definitely going to focus on QAnon, terrorism and domestic terrorism. But before we get into this conversation, I always try to keep these intros short. I do have a tier on Patreon that allows listeners to listen ad-free and with a much shorter intro. The Start Me Up podcast is an independent podcast supported by listeners and it's woman-run. It's patrons who keep the show going. If you enjoy today's conversation, take a look at the About page. Check out some of my past guests. You'll see most of the time I talk to political people, but occasionally I interview actors because I used to be one. Just visit patreon.com slash startme up. I do two free shows a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, and they're followed up by What's Up With Me, a show for patrons only after each free show. Check out the variety of tier options at patreon.com slash startmeup. You can make a one-time donation by checking out the text in the Patreon description. I've included a link that allows you to donate through PayPal. You can find Start Me Up on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever podcasts are found. Just stop by the iTunes slash Apple podcast store, become a subscriber, it's free. And while you're there, please rate the show and leave me a review. I would really appreciate it. Now, please enjoy my conversation with author Mia Bloom. Welcome to the show, Mia. Thank you so much for having me. Well, you write about QAnon and you write about terrorism and how very timely uh, <laughs> since we're watching what's happening over in Afghanistan, which I don't mean to make light of in any way, but uh, such an interesting perspective you have. And I want to jump right into this. Um, you are an author of a number of books, but your latest book is titled Pastels and Pedophiles Inside the Mind of QAnon. So I'm just curious, first of all, why that title? Well, part of it was people who are interested in QAnon start to become obsessed about pedophilia. Mm -hmm. And they convince themselves that they're doing something good for their community by helping the children. Mm -hmm. And the pastel element is that we began to see that the reason QAnon was becoming a viral issue, why it was becoming so popular, was actually because women were the ones that were disseminating mm. information about it. And so the pastel cue represents the women. Wow, that's freaking weird and awful. I mean, it's like, that's so scary. Um, so just then tell us what is QAnon? Well, if unless you've been living under a rock, <laughs> you probably <laughs> heard something about QAnon. Yes. QAnon <laughs> is this baseless conspiracy theory that argues that there has been, you know, an evil cabal uh -huh. controlling the world for as long as we can remember, and that the only way we can break the power of the cabal was Donald Trump was going to save the children. And so what ended up happening is that the this conspiracy theory is based on a lot of pre-existing tropes and, and falsehoods about Jews controlling the media, about... Um, trafficking in children and, and raping the children and drinking their blood, mm -hmm. which again comes from these anti-Semitic tropes going back over a hundred years. Wow. But also it has been successful in part because it has brought together a lot of conspiracy theories that far predate it. Hmm. So it embraced things like flat earthers and mm. that nine 11 was an inside job yeah. or that, um, Barack Obama wasn't born in the United States. In other words, so many pre-existing conspiracy theories mm -hmm. that had sort of, everyone was wearing their own foil hat. Yeah. What QAnon did was brought everybody together, and so now it's become like a meta-conspiracy theory. Hmm. Wow. So what, I mean, do you have any idea of the psychology in the kind of person that is going to sign on to this conspiracy. I mean, okay, like, I, I didn't watch the entire Q documentary. It's very hard to take. Did you watch it? Well, I watched the two of them. There was one on HBO, and then there was one on Vice News. Which one were you watching? I watched the HBO one. It was the one centering on, um, what's his name, Ron Watkins, Watkins. and his son. Um, I have not been able to watch all of it. I, I, I can't remember how many I've seen. I've seen quite a few, but it's just, it's very upsetting. And, and to look at these characters, uh, Ron and his weird son, whose name I don't remember, 
Um, so Jim, so Jim is the dad. Ron is the okay. Son. There you go. Ron is the son. I was thinking of Jim. Yeah, that's right. Jim is the weird father. Um, so for for someone, okay, like in that documentary, there were there was a couple that voted for Obama, and now they're just like all up into queue. So like, what kind of psychology? What kind of personality? is attracted to that and why well so this is where people are going to be very surprised that a lot of individuals who are attracted to QAnon are actually coming from a very altruistic place Mm -hmm. they have been convinced that they need to do something and step up to save children because the government is not doing its job and not only our governments and you know human rights groups and international organizations that are allegedly about saving children not only are they not helping children but they're participating in the cabal mm. and so this is the part that Sophia my co-author uh, Sophia Moskalenko and I really wanted to make clear we are disaggregating the vast majority of people who believe in Q, which could be in the millions, mm-hmm. from the people who are at the very top who are manipulating individuals, who are fleecing them for money, or in some instances with political in- individuals like Lauren Boebert and mm-hmm. Marjorie Taylor Greene, basically manipulating them for votes. We-, we acknowledge that a lot of people may have started down the path of QAnon with very, very good intentions. Mm -hmm. And the reason we know that is because these are normal individuals, women, men, people of all educational levels, a lot of people who voted for Obama or Mm -hmm. supported Bernie Sanders. So it's not only Republicans. Mm -hmm. 6% of the people that were polled by American Enterprises Institute who believe in the statement that there is a pedophile trafficking cabal of blood-drinking Democrats and elites identified as Democrats. So it's really important that we understand that it's we're not just looking at people who are crazy. Mm -hmm. We're not looking at people who are dysfunctional or antisocial. Mm -hmm. We are looking at our cousins, our friends, our coworkers. Any single person can get pulled down that rabbit hole. Wow. Wow. I mean, and would you think or would you say that this is the biggest um, group that we've seen in this country that has uh, latched on to a conspiracy like this? I mean, are, are there any other conspiracy theories that have had this many followers? We have never seen a conspiracy theory that has become this popular this quickly. Jeez. Now, it's important that we remember Probably every single person, if you ask, there's at least one conspiracy theory that they believe in. Mm -hmm. Some people think that there was a second shooter uh, at the John F. Kennedy Mm -hmm. assassination. So a lot of people on the left believe that. Mm -hmm. Some people are a little bit suspicious about the way Lady Diana Spencer died. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, hmm. Like in other words, a lot of times people believe in a conspiracy theory. What Mm -hmm. QAnon is doing is it's layering the conspiracy theory (laughs) so that the people that get sucked in don't just believe in one. They start believing in a lot of different uh, conspiracy theories simultaneously, even if they seem like they're in in opposition of each other. So there's no consistency. But this is really something unique. And this is also the only conspiracy theory that we've seen go global. So it's not just in the United States and Canada. It is now in 85 different countries. That's just terrifying. Um, So what role did QAnon play in the January 6th insurrection? I think that because the DHS report... um, um, Secretary Mayorkas has chimed in that there's a concern about QAnon becoming a terrorist group. We've heard Merrick Garland say that there's maybe a concern that people who believe in QAnon and see that their prophecies are never coming to fruition might turn to violence. Mm-hmm. And then as early as 2019, FBI Director Christopher Ray said that QAnon had the potential to terrorism. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that January 6th was only QAnon, and it wasn't. No, no. QAnon people were really easy to spot Mm -hmm. because generally they're either wearing a giant Q (laughs) or they're holding a Q sign or a Q flag. So it's sort of like the Where's Waldo. You can pull them out of a crowd pretty easily. (laughs) 
But the ones that were the most dangerous were, you know, the neo-Nazis, mm -hmm. the people who belong to these anti-government militias, groups, you know, some of these crazy names of groups, Boogaloo, Proud right, Boys, yeah. Patriot Front. All of these were the most dangerous elements. So the guy holding the zip ties mm -hmm. in the flat jacket probably wasn't the QAnon person. Wow. But if we have people who are both yeah. people who believe in these dangerous conspiracy theories and are also a neo-Nazi or also a proud boy, that's a problem. And then someone like Ashley Babbitt, mm -hmm. who was trained by the U.S. military. And, you know, we train our soldiers really well. Mm -hmm. We train them to kill. Mm -hmm. And so she was a killer mm -hmm. trying to get through into the speaker's lobby and when she was shot. And, and of course – Nobody is happy about anyone, any American being shot, but she was absolutely not a martyr. Right. And she was shot basically breaking the law. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, of course, they're trying to turn her into a martyr because that's what they do. Um, you mentioned that there were, you know, a number of people on the left who buy into QAnon. But would you say that the majority of people who buy into it are Republican? Pretty much. I mean, in part because the elevated status that they give to Donald Trump is mm -hmm. going to attract more Republicans and Democrats. And in this survey that Daniel Cox did for American Enterprises Institute is a Republican conservative think tank. It's not a liberal think tank. Mm -hmm. What they found was about 6% of people who believed in QAnon identified as Democrats, 29% at mm. least. So one in three were Republicans. And if people, if you include people who are like, and I'm not sure, you might be dealing with as much as 50% of mm. Republicans are, you know, either some element mm -hmm. of QAnon, maybe not the blood drinking, but definitely the Dominion voting machines. Mm -hmm. So because the conspiracy is multi-layered and there's so many little bits to it, you can believe in part and not the entirety but that is pretty much taken over the GOP. And part of the reason, last summer when we had the um, primaries before the election, mm -hmm. you had people like Kevin McCarthy and Stephen Scalise, who are very you know high-ranking Republicans, mm -hmm. totally against Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah. But then she won her primary, and they had to flip-flop and yeah. start supporting her. And now – so what we saw last summer is we saw 97 – uh, primary candidates that believed in QAnon or identified as QAnon, the three states that had the most, of course, California, Texas, and Florida, because it's always Florida. Uh -huh. <laughs> now we're still a year before the primaries, and we already have 20 candidates who are QAnon. So we're going to oh see a QAnon section of the Republican Party the same way that we had a Tea Party. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a QAnon. Jesus, that's scary. Why has the GOP been hijacked by QAnon? You know, the GOP sees them in many ways the way Vladimir Putin sees them as useful idiots. Wow. They squeeze them for their money, their contributions. The fact is that Lauren Boebert and Marjorie Taylor Greene, by being outrageous and saying the most insane things about the blood drinking cabal, or for example, Greene talked about the Jewish space lasers that started the California wildfires, they have been raising a lot of money. And so. You know, we we see red, but the Republicans see green, and wow. they don't want to potentially alienate voters mm -hmm. that uh, by by coming out more firmly against QAnon. Even though I'm sure privately, Stephen right. Scalise, yeah. Kevin McCarthy, privately think that they're ludicrous and yeah. that they're nut jobs, publicly they will never say anything against them. Yeah, which is really sad and once again terrifying. Um, I want to ask a question that may seem dumb. <laughs> if it does, whatever. But As I tell my students, there's no such thing as a dumb question. <laughs> How close would you say are, like, w with QAnon and the Taliban, I mean, obviously they have different kinds of ideologies and they're based in different beliefs, but we do right now, we're seeing the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. Um, I don't necessarily believe Q is going to take over the United States tomorrow. But you just mentioned that there's a higher number of candidates. So how, how close are they? And again, it's, I don't think that they behave the same way, but close in that the Taliban is now taking over a country. 
I mean, how far off are we from something like that? I think, fortunately, we are not at the point where QAnon is, is going to be able to take over the country in part because our institutions were able to survive January 6th. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is whether if they try again, will the institutions be able to survive after gerrymandering, mm-hmm. after school boards have been infiltrated by QAnon, after Republican state legislatures have decided that they could change the electoral college vote. Mm-hmm. So in other words, we survived January 6th in part because of the strength of our institutions. Those institutions don't really exist in Afghanistan, and they're certainly not strong. Mm-hmm. Problem is, if you look at the way the Taliban took over the presidential palace, and you look at a picture from January 6th, it looks very similar. Wow, yeah. And right. when you think about the attitudes, there's an inherent misogyny in QAnon that despite mm-hmm. the fact that you know they're, they're talking about saving the children, there is the secondary place for women. There's also a hatred for the LGBTQ community. Also, the Taliban hate the LGBTQs. Yeah. They, they, they have an, like, crazy anti-Semitic beliefs. Mm-hmm. The Taliban have anti-Semitic beliefs. You know, they would throw um, or they would kill people who are gay. The Taliban throw a gay person off the tallest building. So there's a lot more in common between QAnon and jihadis than you would that, that you would be comfortable with. Yeah. And and of course, the reason we call them the Taliban, which maybe people don't remember from like 40 years ago, it was because there was a period of time where the warlords were raping little boys. There is a Pashtun tradition called Bacha Bazi, and there's a fantastic frontline documentary if anyone's interested. What it is is that it's a Pashtun tradition. It goes back hundreds of years. They dress the little boys up in girls' clothes with makeup and jewelry to dance at weddings, and then they take advantage sexually. And so if you think about the fact that the Taliban were fighting against child trafficking and raping right. little children, that's how QAnon positions itself. Hmm. So the, the similarities are really kind of shocking yeah they're kind of staggering i mean and then we've got that story out of santa barbara where the father uh QAnon father believed that his wife had alien what was it uh that she had alien dna alien dna and so that she passed it on to their children so he killed their children so what what goes through the mind of someone who's going to kill them. I mean, how did people get so seeped into this? It's just mind-boggling. Well, there is a bit of a chicken and an egg. Well, first of all, it's really important to remember that this thing happened in Santa Barbara. We have such short memories. In April of of 2021, so, sorry, April of, yes, April of 2021, <laughs> there was a woman, Liliana Carrillo, mm-hmm. And she drowned her three children. They were three, two, and six months. Also because she was trying to protect them from the traffickers, she believed in QAnon. And so we have seen a massive uptick, not just in sort of the mental illness that leads people to believe in QAnon, because there's a little bit of a chicken and an egg. Uh You kind of have to be vulnerable to begin with Mm -hmm. to start down the rabbit hole. So you might be, you know, well-intentioned, but... You're experiencing anxiety or you don't understand what's going on with the pandemic. You want to sort of feel like you're in control. Right. But then also when you're on the platforms and you are consuming the stuff that these QAnon platforms disseminate, that can exacerbate mental illness mm-hmm. because I'm, I'm on the platforms. I'm watching what they're watching and what they're watching is horrific. Yeah. And it's going to definitely trigger people. So we don't know what comes first. Were you vulnerable to begin with, and that's why you walked down that rabbit hole, or being part of this QAnon community and consuming the material makes you vulnerable. But we have seen an uptick in, so they're not all right now that we know for sure connected to QAnon, but there has been an uptick in parents killing their own children in the last six months all over the country, in in Boise, in in Henderson, Nevada, in Phoenix, in Los Angeles, like all over the country, we've been seeing more and more. There was one woman in Baltimore, she killed her niece and nephew, threw them in the trunk and drove around with the bodies in the trunk 
four weeks. Oh my God. We've been seeing an uptick of mental illness across the country in part as a result of the pandemic. So how, how much would you attribute, uh, attribute mental illness to QAnon? I mean, like, is everyone susceptible to it? Or is it just part of the, the followers that suffer from that? I mean, what is your take on that? Well, I think the first thing that we need to acknowledge is the pandemic has been very tough on everybody. Yes, it has. We've had simultaneously. So we've had a global health crisis of something that we cannot see. Mm -hmm. And we didn't know what it was because it was a novel virus. Mm -hmm. We had a justice crisis after the murder of George Floyd. Mm -hmm. We had an economic crisis as companies were shutting down, people were losing their jobs. We had in a psychological crisis because we were locked down. And, you know, some of us didn't leave our our homes or our apartments for weeks and weeks on end, except, you know, maybe to get some food or fresh vegetables. Mm -hmm. So all of these things have absolutely impacted the entire country. We've gone from one in 10 people expressing sort of different kinds of mental illness or anxiety to four in 10. So we've had a 400% increase. Now, my, my co-author, Sofia Moskalenko, is a psychologist, mm-hmm. and she looked at the people who had been arrested as a result of QAnon activities, either from 2018 to 2020, which there were 12 different crimes, mm-hmm. and then the 700 who were arrested mm-hmm. after January 6th. Mm-hmm. Now, the average in the country is about 18% of people arrested will have some sort of history of mental illness. For the QAnon people, it was 68%. Oh, wow. Which is a lot more than 18%. That's fascinating. So, so, but again, I'm saying, what's the chicken and what's the, like, what's right. causing what? And, and so that's the reason we, we did something really unusual for a book. Because Sophia is a therapist, she provides people sort of like step-by-step instructions mm-hmm. how to get your friends and family out. Wow. And because... Because she's an expert, and we, we've both been working on things like countering violent extremism and how do you get terrorists out yeah. of a terror group. We used some of that knowledge, but then updated it specifically for QAnon because if the AEI survey, you know, that says it's about 15% of the U.S. population, if that's a representative sample, mm-hmm. we're looking at 30 million Americans who believe in QAnon, which means that everybody has a friend mm-hmm. or a cousin. Mm-hmm. Or, or someone who that they work with. I found out this weekend, my first cousin believes in QAnon, and I thought, wow. oh, boy, that's that's hitting a little close. <laughs> so even in my own family, wow. my cousin Barry apparently believes in QAnon. How so sad. we all need to figure out a way, how mm-hmm. do we help our friends and family out of this? Mm-hmm. Because being in this conspiracy is going to cause innumerable damage to our mental health and to the like to the family because it's breaking mm-hmm. families apart. Yeah, it is. Oh my god. Um you know, we need to take a quick break. So we'll get back to this conversation after this message. If you ever catch yourself thinking when looking in the mirror, "Ooh, I wish my under-eye bags would just go away." You're not alone. Bags and puffiness under the eyes are a problem for millions of American men and women until now. Introducing the new GenuCell Serum with Plant Stem Cell Technology from Chamonix. Susan from New Jersey wrote, I've been using GenuCell for a couple of months. The puffiness around my eyes is gone. Even the crow's feet and small lines have disappeared and they haven't come back. I love this product. I use it under my eyes, around my cheekbones, and on my eyelids. With its instant effects, Chamonix says you'll see results in the first 12 hours or your money back. They guarantee it. Order now and get 50% off all GenuCell packages for summer. Go to lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. That's love, G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash Stephanie. Lovegenucell.com slash Stephanie. And we're back. So, okay, now I want to ask you a little bit about the military because you talked about people in the military uh, being involved in Q. So what do you know about that? What do we need to know about that? Part of the problem and the first hint that there was something that was going on was July 4th, 2020, 
uh, disgraced General Michael Flynn, mm. uh, pledged allegiance to QAnon, which was basically right. he did yeah. the usual pledge of allegiance, you know, the normal one. Yeah. And then he added at the end, where we go, one, we go all. Mm-hmm. And he and his family posted it to every different social media platform, you know, to make sure that everybody saw it. Right. And it... And although for many people who look at Flynn and he's disgraced and and it's hard for us to believe, but he does have a significant following Mm -hmm. within the U.S. military who remember his glory days. Mm -hmm. And so right away, before even January 6th happened, and we saw about of the people arrested, 20 percent were either former or active duty military we knew that there could be a problem in the military. Now, the military has not, up until now, been really great about figuring out it's had a problem with right-wing extremism mm-hmm. and neo-Nazis. Mm-hmm. And, and basically, the rules of the military are such that being a member of a group isn't illegal. You have to actively participate, and then you might just get demoted. You don't necessarily get kicked out. And so the military has had to face this problem from just right-wing extremists. Now, added to that, they're looking at the possibility of there being a lot of QAnon in their midst, Mm -hmm. or at least people who believe in QAnon. And so that's where we propose some way of, you know, screening. Because if we're going to be training our men and women, and we appreciate that they make an unbelievable sacrifice, Mm -hmm. and we appreciate their service, but we don't want to be training people who are queuing on how to kill. Mm-hmm. So we need to figure <laughs> something shit. out, like what's going on and how do we weed out this QAnon element? Because that combination of QAnon and U.S. military training is especially a deadly combination. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's just, oh, my God. Everything you say is so fucking scary. Um, now, and you talked about in this interview, you also talked about there's lone terrorist and people who have mental illness and you said that terrorist organizations don't usually like mentally ill or unstable people so how does that work with um q as far as these organizations like for instance you mentioned there were QAnon people in the proud boys so i mean are the proud boys embracing QAnon, or do they not like the fact that people are QAnon? how does that work yeah, this is where it's the difference between the lone actor terrorists. I mean, the media likes to call them lone wolf, and I never use that term because I, I guess try to like it makes them sound too cool. <laughs> These lone actor terrorists that we've studied over the years, and this is across every group, it could be jihadi, right wing, animal liberation. Usually, there is up to seventy three percent leakage among these lone actor terrorists, and there's a higher than average history of mental illness, you know, and it could be anything from when they were a kid, their dog died and they went to go see a therapist to actually being, you know, um, on like a psychopath or Mm -hmm. having antisocial behavior. So it's sort of a range of mental illnesses Hmm. that are present. And because QAnon isn't like a terrorist group in the traditional sense, it isn't like an ISIS or an Al Qaeda, it doesn't have the same kind of recruitment. There's a lot of people who will be inspired by it, and they might be inspired to engage in acts of violence, mm-hmm. but it's different from having a cell structure like what happened on 9 11 20 years ago that we know, you know, you had bin Laden at the top and Zawahiri, and then they had their lieutenants. When it's a terrorist group and they're recruiting, and so it could be like Hamas or Hezbollah or one of these groups, um, Bader Meinhof in Germany or Red Brigades in Italy, they would weed out people who were mentally ill who wanted to join them because people who are mentally ill are really not good at keeping secrets. Hmm. Also, they're not good at finishing a task. They're easily distracted. And so for the most part, terrorist organizations didn't, seek out people who had mental illness. It didn't mean that participating in terrorism for like years and years couldn't exacerbate mental illness because you're always hiding, you're Mm -hmm. always having to lie to people, Mm -hmm. you can never tell someone, you know, who you really are. It's sort of the the kinds of things that fosters um, different kinds of anxiety. So, uh, and there was two exceptions that I that I wanted to make clear to anyone who's about to correct me and check me. And I'm like, I get it. <laughs> in the um, in the IRA, which was the Irish Republican Army that was, you know, in Ireland fighting for Northern Ireland for years and years up until 
um, they agreed to put their weapons down. They had a they had a squad that would mete out punishments and they would shoot people's kneecaps. Mm-hmm. And this squad they used often people who were violent in nature. Mm-hmm. And then also ISIS was not really good about vetting. You know, ISIS took anybody. <laughs> so you got out of jail, you go to ISIS. Uh, you were you had some sort of checkered past drugs, alcohol, prostitution, ISIS would take you. So ISIS did have a number of people we would consider to be, you know, on the scale of mental illness. But for the most part, the organized groups don't have it. Hmm. What you have then with the Proud Boys is they're already, let's say someone's already a Proud Boy, someone's already Patriot Front, KKK, neo-Nazi, and they start to gravitate towards QAnon Mm -hmm. because there's some common themes, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you don't like gays? We don't like gays. Oh, women have a second, you know, secondary status. We believe that too. Oh, you don't like Jews? We don't like Jews. Mm-hmm. Oh, you don't like Muslims? We don't like Muslims. It's like, in other words, there's a lot of area of overlap. That's where you might see a few people be both. And so, mm-hmm. what happens with these lone guys, these lone actors? They're very hard to detect, but they're very easy to catch hmm. because they don't have the same training as a professional terrorist. They don't learn, you know, what you would call spycraft. They don't have a series of safe houses to whisk them away, right? So this is where, you know, lone actor terrorists tend to have small, thank God, smaller casualties mm-hmm. than organized groups with, again, always there being exceptions when you look at um, – Anders Breivik in Norway, that was a very high body count. And that's because he had an automated weapon or Christchurch Mm -hmm. or even Stephen Paddock in Las Vegas. And so part of the problem is there's, it starts to get messy. Ordinarily, lone actors don't kill dozens and dozens and scores of people, but occasionally if they've got the automatic weapons, Mm -hmm. they can. Right. Wow. And so what are the demographics of the people, um, who are more vulnerable to QAnon? Like what, how did, like, how would you describe those people? I think people who are, and again, we're all suffering from the pandemic Mm -hmm. and I don't want to be pointing a finger. We also don't want to say that people who are experiencing mental illness are automatically going to be violent. Right. So that's not the case, but people who are feeling excessive anxiety, who are getting their information not from the news, but they're getting it either from Facebook or online, right. or they're not getting it from really reliable sources. So, for example, OAN and Newsmax, mm-hmm. those people are going to be more vulnerable. And in fact, studies have been done since that one at AEI that if you get your news from Fox News, Newsmax, or OAN, you have a much higher chance of being convinced that there is a blood drinking cabal. In part because some of the hosts in Fox News are are goosing their audience mm-hmm. and they're, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudging it, you know. So yeah. you'll have someone like Tucker Carlson starts talking about replacement theory, which is adjacent to QAnon, mm-hmm. or starts talking about pedophiles among the Democrats, very conveniently ignoring Jim Jordan right, yeah. from that base. <laughs> you know, so what happens is that the best one of the best ways to I guess, inoculate yourself from QAnon is to ask questions, Mm -hmm. to get your news from a variety of sources. And if someone, you know, posts something on Facebook or forwards you a story, check it. And if it does, if it's not borne out, if you can't find that it's validated and it's not, you know, covered by other than Newsmax or OAN, there's a good chance that it's fake news. So people who believe in fake news are more likely to believe in QAnon. What, uh, I don't know if you can answer this, but I mean, we've got all these right now. I know we're going to see this fall. It's going to be a horrific, brutal fall because we're going to see children dying, uh, very sick children. I mean, there's going to be adults who die and sick adults. But the fact that there's going to be so many children affected by COVID. Now, you go also go back to these parents who are talking about who are killing their own kids in QAnon. How is it that I mean, you know, obviously there's a lot of Republicans who are not Q, but there are the Q people who are watching what's happening, watching children suffering. And, you know, we're going to see when school starts back up, it's just going to be so brutal. How do they separate? Um, I mean, how does one kill their own children 
and feel that they're being righteous. How, how can you look at all these kids who are on hospital in hospital beds, possibly on ventilators and dying, and feel like no remorse there because you don't like the mask mandate or whatever it is, yet you claim you're fighting for the children? How does that work? One of the things since the since November when Donald Trump lost and didn't win and QAnon was predicting that he was going to win, mm-hmm. one of the things we, we were able to see on the, t- the Telegram channels and the platforms where QAnon were disseminating their garbage was that they, they started to move to things like Dominion voting machines, mm-hmm. that the election had been stolen. They were very much anti-mask and anti-vax, and that anti-vax also links them to the left because mm-hmm. most people who were anti-vax also tended to be, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, new agey yes. and or vegans or I knew you know, some like, of I them. Met yes, a lot of vegan Republicans. I'll just right, say that. exactly. <laughs> so I, I used to love before he before he died. I used to love to quote Anthony Bourdain's comment about uh, vegans and vegetarians, but you know. <laughs> Uh, in his honor, I won't quote it. But what's happening is that the the QAnon channels are convincing people that the vaccine are going to chip people, like put right, a microchip right, in yeah. them, okay. so that Bill Gates can track. Gotcha. Them. That's it. Yeah. The other thing that the the channels are convincing them is that the because it's an mRNA vaccine that it's changing human DNA. Mm. And that's what leads to something like what happened with Mr. Coleman, thinking that the DNA was impacted and that the children are going to turn into monsters. And so either if people are harming their own children, it's almost like this Munchausen syndrome by proxy, right? right. They think that they're doing the right thing or mm-hmm. they think that they're doing something to gain everybody's sympathy. But they think that killing the kids is protecting them from a fate worse than death. And I can only imagine that as we're seeing, it doesn't matter now that Mitch McConnell and other people are telling their constituents to please get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. There was so much misinformation on Fox News and on the right side of the spectrum for over a year that it's very hard now because people are double and tripling down. So they're rejecting even their own, like, um, Republican leaders encouraging them to get the vaccine. So it's very strange that on the one hand, Republicans were upset that people didn't give Trump credit for getting the vaccine this quickly. Mm -hmm. At the same time, didn't, you know, basically saying we don't like the vaccine. So you either like the vaccine because Trump brought it or you don't like the vaccine. And so the vaccine hesitancy or refusal is going to lead to not just the current Delta variant, but we've also heard now about a new one on the way, Mm -hmm. the Lambda variant. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the beginning of the pandemic, and thank goodness, you know, we saw that it wasn't affecting children. Mm -hmm. And I remember Dr. Sanjay Gupta on CNN saying, but we don't know once there's a variant how it's going to affect children. Yeah. So the the best thing people can do, get the vaccine, use a mask, do the social distancing. And if you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for kids. Mm-hmm. If you really want to help the children, that's how you help the children. I, I have a question that's not about Q. I'm just curious what you think, because you mentioned that you know the republicans did the, the disinformation campaign was very successful because basically people are confused or they're doubling down tripling down whatever um and then you've got these red states that are seeing spikes it's worse than last year worse before the vaccine so why do you think they're doing like let me how can i phrase this? i mean i've talked to other people a lot of people have theories um why do you think republicans are downplaying all of the the things that are going to keep us safe when they're con- I mean obviously Democrats would be affected but their constituents are the ones who are really going to suffer the most and in some of our elections it just comes down to a very you know small percentage of voters that decides whatever election and so by killing off their base they're not doing themselves any favor- favors there are some people who believe that they have either already rigged the game or they know the game is going to be rigged so that they don't have to worry about people dying. But what do you think is happening there? Do you have a thought on that? 
I do. And I think that, you know, when you start seeing that um, Republicans have engaged in practices and policies that are hurting their own base, to me, it's one of the reasons that is why they are trying to um, uh, hurt, you know, voters of color. They're trying to disenfranchise the voters because they've killed off so many of their own. I mean, if you think about it, more people have died of COVID in Florida than Ron DeSantis won over, hmm. I guess it was Andrew Gillum mm -hmm. that he was running against. Mm -hmm. And so more people in Florida have died than DeSantis won in that election. Mm -hmm. And and so part of it is, there's, it's twofold. It's one, okay, we're going to disenfranchise voters of color. We're going to kick people off the rolls. We're going to try to depress um sort of uh, the, the left wing of the party by attacking, you know, having the squad attack the middle and the middle attack the squad or the, you know, exacerbating the fissures between the moderate mm -hmm. uh, Democrats and sort of the more social justice oriented Democrats. But also I think it's, and it's a terrible cynical take mm -hmm. that I'm about to give you. I think that if, anything happens that hurts joe biden's presidency and likelihood for re-election they're they're basically saying yeah that's good enough wow. even if it means americans are dying mm -hmm. even if it means people are getting kicked out of their homes because they don't want to maintain you know um mandates that are preventing people from getting kicked out of their apartments right. because they lost their jobs or they don't have money or anything like that in other words i think Anything to make Biden fail. The example mm -hmm. we go back to what we started with with Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. It was Trump who announced that yes. we were leaving Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. It was Trump who had the Pakistanis release mm -hmm. the Taliban commander who was now positioned yes. to take over. And what and what are the what are the conservative Republicans doing? They're blaming Biden of course they for are. the poll. Yeah. But basically Biden was handed this 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 decision yeah. by Trump and it's and it goes even further and again very cynical on my part in 2012 Daisy Kahn and at the time he was a representative from Minnesota Keith Ellison mm -hmm. organized a meeting on Capitol Hill these Afghan women flew to DC to talk to representatives of Congress and Senate and I went with them uh, to help you know and translator and stuff like that wow. to facilitate had some really hilarious conversations in taxi cabs about Red Bull and whether or not they could have a Red Bull or caffeine, but not one Republican showed up to the meetings. Wow. The entire room. So when Republicans now say, oh, what about the, what about the Afghan women? Mm -hmm. They did not give two bleeps about mm -hmm. Afghan women. They've never cared. Oh, and by the way, what about American women? Yeah. Let's 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 give our American women health care and protect them from back alley abortions yeah. before you start talking about Afghan women's exactly. rights and the Taliban. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's so frustrating. You know what? It may be cynical, but I, I think you're right. I think that does make the most sense, even though it's just macabre and disgusting. Because what else? What else is the reason? They're just trying they're trying to pin it on Biden and that sounds absolutely correct. I want to go back to you mentioned when we first started talking that women have a lot to do with QAnon. So what ro what role do women play in QAnon overall? One of the things we saw very on, early on with QAnon. So QAnon starts on these fairly masculine parts of the the internet, you know, the message boards. Mm -hmm. But it was women and especially like these influencers on social media that really helped it go viral. And so you had a number of women, either, you know, someone like Tracy Beans, who would look at the Q drop and then show her YouTube audience what it meant. And, you know, this is connected to something that Trump said or did. Mm -hmm. And then she would have her Patreon account at the bottom you know, to accept people's donations. Mm -hmm. And we also saw that there was a number of women like Marjorie Taylor Greene who used QAnon in order to launch their political careers. And so this is where my knowledge of terrorism helps. What we knew about terrorist groups, and this is everything from the KKK to Al-Qaeda and ISIS. If you get the women, you get the kids, mm -hmm. 
you are ensuring the longevity of that group mm -hmm. because you are grooming the next generation. Yeah. So not only are we going to have to inherit the situation that people are anti-vax, anti-mask, believe that there's blood-drinking cabal of Democrats and Hollywood elites, but they are going to be taking over their children's education, either by taking over school boards, which we're seeing, mm -hmm. or by keeping the kids at home and homeschooling them. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have an entire generation in the next 10, 15 years of kids who believe all this stuff because they've never been told otherwise. So that we really do have to understand that it's not just that women are some sort of window dressing mm -hmm. to these militant groups, but that these militant groups need women in order to continue to survive and thrive. And it's the reason why we wrote the book and why we sort of focused in on the, the female issue of mm -hmm. the pastels. Wow. Well, you also wrote a book titled Women in Terrorism. So can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, didn't That book came out first, correct? So, yes. Um, Bombshell was my third Bombshell. book. I released yes. it in 2011, and it was called Bombshell, Women in Terrorism. In part, it was a play on words because um, very often terrorist groups, you know, all things being equal, they were selecting more attractive women mm -hmm. because they knew that any woman who was a suicide bomber mm -hmm. would be on the front pages of every magazine and newspaper. And so at a certain point, you started to notice that's a lot of really attractive women that they were using. Hmm. And they did that on purpose. And so that they were, that's why the bombshell, they were shells for the bomb, but they were also good looking. Mm -hmm. What, I, what I've Kinda been like doing Fox this News. year <laughs> is I've updated bombshell and I've got a new book that's, that'll come out in, I guess, maybe December called Veiled Threats. And it's about women in the jihad because when I wrote wow. bombshell, ISIS didn't exist yet. And Boko Haram wasn't using women yet. And Al like, so in other words, there's been a lot more groups like jihadi groups that have been using women on the front lines as suicide bombers, as recruiters and fundraisers. And so that was where sort of the angle came to understand the role of women and not to look at it as an afterthought. Mm -hmm. Because even at the beginning, when we first saw those images of January 6th, we were focused in on people like Jacob Chansley. Like, how could you miss him? He's wearing mm -hmm. horns and furs right. and his face is painted. But as we've gone on in the last few months in the arrest, we've seen a lot of women mm -hmm. and a lot of families because they were doing this as a family unit. Wow. So it's really important that we don't think of women as just window dressing. Yeah. When groups use women, they do so very strategically. Wow. Oh, my God. Um. I also want to go back to what you were saying about Merrick Garland. So what, you know, the DHA report released last week um, and, and him talking about QAnon before, do you, would you say now, yes, it is a terrorist group? We actually, we actually took a very different position. And, and partly because um, between Sophia and I, we have a half a century of expertise mm -hmm. studying terrorism. It's very important that we don't see 30 million potential ISIS supporters in this country. Mm -hmm. We've never had, like, if it was a terrorist movement, we would be in really, really deep trouble. Gotcha. Wow. What we have instead is we have a handful of dangerous people who believe in QAnon who might link up either with the military, with the far right, with some of these militias, and that could be, mm. you know, engaging in terrorist activities. Mm -hmm. But we, we really don't think that we've got millions of potential terrorists. I don't think that the woman with the sign in Anaheim, Save the Children, mm -hmm. is like an ISIS woman. Right. So we did a briefing at the NSC after Merrick Garland made a statement, and we said, if nothing else, 20 years after 9-11, we really should not be repeating the mistakes of the past. Yeah. Let's lower the temperature. Let's look at this realistically. I know I have books to sell, but it's more important that we're honest with people than I try to, you know, use fear tactics yeah. so that people will buy my book. Right. Um, okay, so the last question I want to ask, and you did kind of touch on it before, is, is there a strategy for getting people out of QAnon? Sophia's really good, you know, having worked in, they called it CVE, Countering Violent Extremism. Mm -hmm. And so she has 
worked with people to get them out of right-wing groups and jihadi groups and, and even far-left groups. Um, one of the things that we suggested, don't argue with the person. The person believes in QAnon. You're not going to argue them out of QAnon. Mm -hmm. Don't insult them. Don't mm -hmm. call them an idiot. Don't say you're lunatic. You're whatever. <laughs> what you really should do is you should engage them. Mm -hmm. And and I, I know it sort of puts the onus of responsibility on all of us to help others. Mm -hmm. But, you know, takes a village. Right. Let's help our friends and family get back into the light. Yeah. What Sophia has is she has a series of different kinds of strategies depending on what level of QAnon that person believes in? How deep down the rabbit hole are they? But she also mentioned that there might be people who are so far down who are just, you know, die hard. They're never getting out. So mm -hmm. we also have to maybe adjust our expectations. We may not be able to get everybody out. Yeah. So she suggests instead asking questions. So we did something really crazy. Not, It's unusual. So we did this thing at the end called FAQs in part because it had the letter Q, and we thought that was cute. But we ask a series of questions, and we give you the answer. Hmm. And this is where you can still go to the person who believes in QAnon and say, okay, well, here's the question, and ask them that question. Now you have the answer. So you're kind of, you know, you're, you're, um, you've got a, a leg up on them. Mm -hmm. At a certain point, they're not going to be able to answer. And you'll be able to answer. Mm -hmm. And starting to engage them, Getting to the point where they realize, well, wait a second. It's very inconsistent, your beliefs. Mm -hmm. You're believing this and the opposite of this at mm -hmm. the same time. Yeah. That helps plant the seed of doubt. And planting the seed of doubt is the way to go. Hmm. And it's basically, you know, people didn't jump into QAnon overnight. They're not right. going to get out overnight. Right. But Sophia has different kinds of strategies. She also suggests something called mindfulness. It's the MBSR therapy. And it's, I think, it's eight weeks. You don't have to self-disclose, so it's not like Alcoholics Anonymous. Mm -hmm. You don't say, hi, my name is Mia, I'm an alcoholic, and then you go from there. You can participate in MBSR without revealing anything about your beliefs, mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel like therapy. And so for people who are maybe not inclined to ever get therapy, MBSR might be for them. Hmm. What would you say to someone, okay, because they believe that weird-looking man is JFK Jr. and that he's going to be uh, Donald Trump's vice president. So, I mean, when you look at this man, it's <laughs> very clearly, I mean, we know that JFK Jr. died, but, yeah. you know, I mean, take that out of it. But how does someone look at this man and say, yes, that's JFK K Jr. How do they do that? So like what would, is there a technique that could be used or a question that could be asked that would like describe what you're talking about? Well, one of the things that, you know, as a course of having to read all the QAnon material in order to explain it to people, there was no one place that just, you know, from, from soup to nuts, as my mom used to say <laughs> that expression, there was no one place that explained to people what QAnon was. We were hearing anti-Semitic tropes and we were like, so what are the tropes? Yeah. So what we did was we laid it out and we explained it in very layman's terms. You know, like some of the stuff is very techie and not everybody is going to know what the chans are. Not everyone's going to understand mm. what encrypted apps are. So mm. we explain it in a way that should be accessible to anybody. But here's where we were able to like, so I can't prove to you that I'm not drinking blood <laughs> and you know, in order to keep young or cure COVID, right? But at some point, they started talking about where we go when we go all, which is their saying, uh -huh. which is what General Flynn said on July 4th, 2020, when yeah. he made his pledge. Mm -hmm. that it's on the bell of John F. Kennedy's uh, boat. And so, you know, again, they, they've elevated John F. Kennedy, which is why they're making this to do about his son really being that, that other person who's not <laughs> John F. Kennedy. But, and I, I thought to myself, I can find a bell. Mm -hmm. So my friend who teaches at UMass Boston, also another terrorism scholar, said, the boat is outside the building. Could you go check the boat? So he goes to the boat. There's no bell. Mm -hmm. um, UMass Boston also has the John F. Kennedy archive. So we, he asked the archivist. There's no bell. Um, Douglas Brinkley is a favorite to me 
contacted the Kennedy family, you know, because the boat outside UMass Boston is is the Vittura, but there was also a presidential yacht called the Honey Fitz. Was there a bell on the Honey Fitz? No. Was it stolen? Do we need Nicolas Cage to find the bell? <laughs> no. So there was never a bell. And so what we did was we took the image that QAnon was using on its social media, mm -hmm. did a reverse image search, and found that the bell is in a movie in 1996 from Jeff Bridges called White Squall. Wow. So that's what, that's what I would do. I would say, okay, yeah. show me the bell. Let me show you the movie. Right. And, and this was so interesting, and we actually put this in the book for you know, because QAnon thinks Hollywood is full of pedophiles, mm -hmm. and they can point. They can point to Epstein, mm -hmm. and they can point to Weinstein, and mm -hmm. they can point to Woody Allen. But, you know, there is a tiny kernel of truth that right. yeah. there's a lot of misbehavior in Hollywood, of right? Of course, yes. But so much of their mythology is stolen from Hollywood plot lines and not mm. from good movies. Because if I stole something from Back to the Future, millions right, of people would yes. know. <laughs> but if I took something from 1996 White Squall that mm -hmm. nobody saw. Right. <laughs> so so that's what, we, that's what we're trying to do. So we're trying to explain the link to Kennedy. And I think part of the link to Kennedy is also to pull in, remember, QAnon in many ways is pulling together pre-existing conspiracy theories mm -hmm. and that was always one that the mm -hmm. left believed in mm -hmm. that Kennedy was killed you know not by accident right wow that's some crazy shit <laughs> I just and looking at, at that guy it's like how do you even convince yourself that this is the way I mean it's like I think there are certain Republicans who and, and perhaps even some Republican voters, the MAGA voters, that, I don't know, on some level, they kind of understand. And let, this, this actually will be my last question. So there are, obviously there's this, like you were saying, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise, they know better. They know what they're doing. And they know that they're using these lies to keep their base angry and voting and all of that. But then there are the MAGA, just the voters people. So you, you present them with factual information that can easily be proved and they will argue with you all day long that you're wrong. Um, do you think that, okay, and, and in some cases, these MAGA people are just, it's not, it's, I think it's a bit of brainwashing because it's coming from Fox over and over again. You're getting that propaganda. And if you're, if you're only listening to the bubble of mis, mis and disinformation, then yeah, I'm going to put a little of brainwashing in there. So that has to play some part. But I mean, the, the, the people who are like the, the MAGA voters who are denying reality and denying what's in front of them, is that the same way that QAnon thinks like, did, or, or and, and like, do they know better and they're just going along with it or, and I'm talking about both of them, MAGA and QAnon. Are they fully invested in the bullshit? Or do they understand to a degree that it's a little bit of bullshit, but they're just going to be on their side because they hate liberals so much? And so, I mean, I think in, in some situations, MAGA could be like that. But, I mean, are, are QAnon all the way in, in that belief system? I think part of the problem is that, you know, we saw this with ISIS and a lot of the ideology around the jihadis. You start having these closed information bubbles mm -hmm. and it becomes an echo chamber. Right. And so what ends up happening is that, you know, maybe you weren't sure, you believed a little bit of it, but then you, you, you start experiencing what we call confirmation bias. You're only going to believe things that confirm what you already thought. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening is that between the MAGA and the QAnon and these closed information systems where it's an echo chamber and with every iteration that it goes around, it escalates, then, you know, that's where you have people that, you know, they may have thought it was baloney or malarkey at the beginning, mm -hmm. but now they're not so sure. And then, you know, a few months later, no, I'm absolutely wow. sure I've seen the light. And part of it has to do with the way that these Q drops, um, people were convinced that they did their own research mm -hmm. because they weren't just lectured to, they weren't told this is what to believe. What it did was they, these Q drops were 
preceded, you know, puzzles and you would figure it out and you would feel really good about yourself. And so it was a way where people were like, gosh, I'm so clever. I figured this out myself. Mm -hmm. Nobody told me what to believe. Mm -hmm. And of course, there's also physiological reactions. Like there's dopamine hits to the brain when you figured out a puzzle. Mm -hmm. You feel really good about yourself. Right. And so, so part of it becomes the echo chamber you're never going to listen to anything that doesn't confirm what you already believe. Mm-hmm. And you're so convinced that you figured it out yourself. Wow. Not that you were preceded. It's sort of like you've heard that expression where the lawyer is leading the witness. Mm-hmm. So it's this. These cue drops were done in such a way that you would reach that realization. There was no other realization for you to reach. And so if I'm trying to remember, I was uh, thinking about the name. The person that you were ta- where you were talking about was Vincent Fusca, the guy oh, that they okay. think is Kennedy, yes, right. John F. Kennedy. Yeah. So I sent you a picture to your email <laughs> so you could put it up and just laugh at how there is absolutely no similarity. No now, None. they've also showed an older man at a Trump rally who looks a lot more like JFK Jr. Hmm, interesting. I don't know why they didn't choose him. Yeah, but really. Part of it is to explain how much they hate Hillary because the argument about Kennedy disappearing was so that he wouldn't run against Hillary exactly, yeah. for senator of New York. And I, I, I did see people, Bernie supporters, promoting that idea in 2016. And, you know, because I used to be a Bernie supporter, um, eventually I switched over. I mean, when Hillary became the nominee, I was all in for her. I don't necessarily look at Bernie Sanders the way I used to. Um, I still like his platform. And I just have to say this for anybody who's going to accuse me of hating him. It's not that I hate him. I just, I don't think that he was the person I thought he was initially. Anyway, so when, in 2016, I was in many Facebook groups, Bernie Sanders Facebook groups. And interestingly, I've said this before, but I think it's worth noting again, um, up until about April, because I think April was when they said that's when we got hit by the Russian disinformation. So up until about April of 2016, the group was pro-Bernie. Anybody who wanted to talk shit about Hillary was immediately scolded. They're like, we're not here to bag on her. We are here to promote Bernie. And then all of a sudden... In April, that's when these groups were inundated with what I believe is Russian disinformation. And I started seeing, you know, and you were also talking about when you're getting people out of QAnon, it's planting that seed of doubt. Because those, I didn't think that Hillary had, I don't think Hillary had anything to do with JFK. I never believed that for one minute. But, um, but I did start to doubt because of these kernels of you know little tiny kernels that were just thrown out and then you say to yourself hmm hmm and you know because you've got a piece of truth in there maybe but the truth has been distorted and it's it's there to convince you to believe something that isn't true in in the long run um so i did see that going around and that and and that's pretty ridiculous and pretty sad but yeah i mean I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned the Russians because this Russian internet agency, which was so crucial in 2016 with the disinformation, Mm -hmm. that is the same group that started to promote QAnon in October 2017. They were amplifying these accounts that started to spread QAnon you know, mythology. And the irony that we mentioned in the book, and again, I I, I take no... um, I, I take no happiness in this, right. is that um, Russia now has a QAnon problem. Mm-hmm. And so the irony of this is while they helped promote QAnon, now they're dealing with QAnon, as are the Chinese. Mm-hmm. So wow. we're seeing QAnon, because they were in some many respects deplatformed off the social media companies based in Silicon Valley, they had to go to Telegram. And they went to Telegram, now they're on the Russian platforms. And there, there's a spillover effect. It's like that, what was that expression Hillary said? You, you you can't live next to your neighbor who's got snakes and not expect them to come into your garden. Right. Exactly. So, I wow. mean, this is where it's really, you know, when people say, well, what's the harm? People want to believe what they want to believe. Mm-hmm. 
QAnon is so bad for people. Mm -hmm. So it's bad for individuals consuming this stuff. It's terrifying. It's going to give you nightmares. It also very subtly is exacerbating a lot of racism Mm -hmm. against black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And it's doing it in such a way that you don't even realize they're doing it until all of a sudden you have this image that, you know, like what the former guy said on the escalator, that, you know, that they're not Mexicans aren't sending our best people and that they're rapists and they're Mm -hmm. this and that. So they're building on these tropes from like the Klansmen in 1905, you know, the, the, the racist stuff that gave birth to the KKK yeah. and birth of the nation. But they're also, it's very bad for people just to be consuming this horrific stuff. Mm-hmm. Separately, it's really bad for the, for our democracy oh, yeah. it, because it undermines elections. It undermines our trust in the media. It undermines all the things that helped us resist January 6th and that don't exist in a country like like Afghanistan that falls like a house of cards or if people remember in 2014 when Mosul fell. Mm-hmm. You know, we had also armed the Iraqi army. Yeah. And what happened was ISIS took over and they're, they're driving around in American jeeps with American weapons the way the Taliban are now. Mm-hmm. So we need to have these institutions to be able to resist whenever something bad happens. Yeah. And so all around, QAnon is not good. And then the final thing is if, if belief in QAnon makes you not get the vaccine and not wear a mask and not believe in science or in the medical profession, that's also bad for your health. Mm-hmm. So it's bad in so many ways. Yeah, it really is. And I, I highly recommend anybody, especially if you have members in your family or friends that are, you know, hooked on to QAnon, get this book. Again, it's Pastels and Pedophiles Inside the Mind of QAnon. And thank you for writing it. Uh, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. I think this is a lot of useful information, especially because so many people, I mean, I'm guilty of, of saying lunatic. I don't just say it to the QAnon people. I say it to Republicans all the time. But I, I do understand that I'm not going to win them over by referring to, to them in this way. But it's it's so difficult to sit back and watch this happening and, you know, I mean, you just it's especially when you don't know what to do. But your book does provide a guide to help talk to people. So that's extremely important. So again, thank you. Um, Before I let you go, though, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? So I am on social media. You can find me on Twitter, Mia and Bloom. The book is, the book, we also um, didn't take any advance so that the book could be really affordable. So the book is like $20 or less. Like I think it's down to $17.99 on Amazon for a hardcover book. And we did that on purpose because we wanted to make it accessible Mm -hmm. and we wanted to make it readable. So you can get the book on Amazon. You can get it at, you know, your brick and mortar bookstore, but you're, it's not going to be more than 20 bucks. Awesome. Well, and thank you for writing it. Um, so much. I mean, I genuinely mean that. I'm going to get it because I don't know anybody in QAnon, but I do have a few family members who are teetering. (laughs) So I do believe that the information, when you talk about getting out of a cult, is going to be beneficial for anything because I think Mega is a cult too. Um, And don't forget, you can find me on Amazon at author Kimberly, K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y. You can find my books on Amazon. And as I like to say when any author is on the show, if you do buy any of our books and you enjoy them, please, please, please give us reviews because authors need reviews and so do podcasters. Um, Anyway, thanks again for being on the show. It was really interesting talking to you. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, take care.